you know, there's a lot of precious things here this morning. Testimony of our brother this morning. Precious. David said, I have more understanding than all my teachers, because thy testimonies, O Lord, have been my meditation day and night. When we hear the works the Lord does, when the Holy Spirit breaks into a man's life and changes his desires, changes his hearts, nothing greater than that. Something else is precious here this morning. Have you sensed the Holy Spirit? If you, I mean, he is, is with us today in a very big way. Thank you, Father. Something else precious, and nothing more precious in the universe than the words of Christ. People waited for centuries, and in the fullness of time, they were able to hear the words of Christ. And beginning this year, 2015, we are going to be going through Matthew 5, 6, and 7, which is the Sermon on the Mount. In these three chapters, you have 85% of everything Jesus taught about anything. He says it differently in different places, but it's, it's the crux of his teaching. And it's not a how-to sermon, because actually, you know, we've discovered that man could not live up to the law. It's too difficult. In fact, that's one of the reasons the laws came, to show us who God was like. And God says, don't steal, I'm not a thief. Don't kill, I'm not a murderer. Don't lie, I'm truthful. Don't be unfaithful, because I am faithful. But the law showed us what God was like, but the law also showed us what we were like, because we were not like God, because we came into this world fatally flawed as a result of our ancestor Adam. But the Sermon on the Mount takes it to an all-new level. Because Jesus says, you know, you've heard it's been said that whoever kills will be in danger of the judgment. But he says, I tell you, if anyone is even so much as angry with his brother, he's in danger of the judgment. And he said, you've heard it's been said you should not commit adultery. But I say, if you so much as look at a woman to lust after her, you've already committed adultery in your heart. So, see, brothers and sisters, he's taking it to an all-new level. So, let me tell you, the Sermon on the Mount cannot be lived by anyone in this room. The Sermon on the Mount shows us what a man or woman, a boy or girl's life would look like if that man, woman, boy or girl were abiding in Christ because the life of Christ would be manifest in him. So, the verse, and we're, every Sunday, the first Sunday of every month, we're going to start going through this in 2015. Now, Matthew 5, 3, the first verse, Jesus taught us, and these are not the words of Paul, these are not the words of Peter, these are not the words of Jude, these are the words of Jesus. He looked us in the eye and said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who know they need me. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And as we discussed last time, the kingdom of heaven is righteousness, all that is good, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And where is the kingdom of heaven? The kingdom of heaven, Jesus taught us, it is within us. So those who understand their spiritual poverty, for the first time, will come to Jesus for salvation, as our brother shared. 
But after we come to Jesus for our salvation initially, then day by day, week by week, moment by moment, we must come to him just as we did for salvation, a hand of a beggar reaching out to a king saying, I bring nothing to the table but need. As you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, Paul said, continue to walk in him in this absolute moment-by-moment dependence upon him. And when we do that, we abide in him, and he abides in us. Okay, Matthew 5, 4, Jesus teaches, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now, let's talk about mourning. What is mourning? It is a deep, deep sorrow. A sorrow mingled with regret, remorse. Blessed are those who mourn. Now, what can we mourn over? Well, we can mourn over a loss of a loved one. We can mourn over a tragedy. We can mourn over the starving, the sick. Wherever we see pain, wherever we see hurt, there's something that we can mourn about. But specifically, what Jesus is referring to here is blessed are those who mourn their own acts of independence. Because see, independence is the opposite of dependence, is the opposite of abiding. Blessed are those who mourn their acts of independence. What happens when we independent? You know, if we're believers, we have two positions, on and off. If we're depending and we're on, the Holy Spirit is filling us with the fruits of his spirit. Our new man who has been created in the likeness of God, in righteousness, in holiness, that's all working for us. But when we independ the switch is off. And what happens when the switch is off? What operating system then kicks in? It's called the flesh. And let's talk about the flesh. What's the flesh like? Well, it seeks its own way. It is irritable. It is impatient. Not only is it not joyful, it's critical. It wants its own way. It wants to be worshipped for any good that it does and appreciated. It can lust after things, after people. It thinks poorly of other people. It's critical. (laughs) It's stinky. Now, if you and I are independing, and that's on, how would you like to live with you or me? And that's part of the morning when we realize how our independence has hurt and affected those we love and our circumstances, our words and our actions. I was having lunch with a young, not that young, but a local pastor this Thursday, and he had just read how pastor, actually at the church I'm in in Dallas, 
had fallen the second time. In this case, into a dependence upon some chemical drugs. And he was kind of reeling, Rick, how can this happen? How can a man fall again? How can he fall the first time? And I realized that the actions of my friend in Dallas were affecting a man on the other side of the world. And brothers and sisters, you know, if I sin against you, that sin, you'll probably sin against someone. It goes on and on and on and on and on. It never stops. If we have a sinful act, it affects someone. It affects another person. It goes on and on and on. But also, if we depend and we're filled with the fruits of the Spirit, which are not like the flesh, which are love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness, meekness, self-control, then it goes on. You speak life to one person, they'll speak life to another person. They'll speak life to another person. They'll speak life to another person. You speak life to your children, they'll speak life to their children. If we're critical to our children, if we're impatient with our children, if our children live with our flesh, chances are your grandchildren will live with your children's flesh. Blessed are those who mourn their independence. And I shared this with you before. The biggest motivation in my life to learn and to practice abiding in Christ, and we're still working on that, was that I just did not want Kathy and then subsequently my children to live with my flesh. Because in it dwells no good thing. Blessed are those who mourn, Jesus said, for they shall be comforted. Now, who comforts? The comforter comforts. The precious Holy Spirit that we have sensed here this morning. Jesus said, it's good for you that I go away. Because if I do not go away, the Spirit will not come. But if I go away, I will send him to you. And he will lead you into all truth. He will show you things to come. He will comfort you. How does the Holy Spirit comfort us? The Holy Spirit reveals to us all truth. And who is the embodiment of truth? Jesus. The Holy Spirit leads us to Jesus. The Holy Spirit leads us to listen to his words. You are forgiven. You are precious in my sight. I've got you covered. (laughs) Very comforting. Very comforting. Only the Holy Spirit comforts those who mourn. It's in repentance. It's in turning back. Godly sorrow works repentance. When we're sorry for our independence and come and turn for that forgiveness, then the Holy Spirit comforts us. And not only does he remind us that we're forgiven, but he reminds us that if we will continue to depend, if we will stay yielded, if we will abide, that this doesn't have to happen again. We don't have to go through years of counseling or years of therapy. We just need to abide in the vine and not pull away. The next verse, Jesus says, blessed are the meek. 
for they shall inherit the earth. Now, when we hear meek, I remember when I was in Sunday school, when I was a boy, I see Jesus with the children and the flowers and this this nice long hair. No, Jesus, he's just meek. You know, he plays with children. He's got flowers. He rides on this little donkey. And I kind of associated meekness with weakness, tender Jesus. But meekness doesn't mean weak. In biblical days, they had war horses. And a war horse was the strongest animal in the game, in the battle. But these horses had to be meeked. That's what they call it. They meeked these war horses. And what it meant was ultimate power under control, under submission. Meekness means power submitted. And when a horse was meeked, a soldier could take his horse and put a hot coal under his saddle. The horse would flinch, but the horse would not move. Power submitted to the authority. Now, we're told of several men in Scripture who were meek. In Numbers 12, you hear that on the face of the earth, There was no one more meek than Moses. No man on the face of the earth more meek than Moses. He had a lot of authority, but he was meek. If you read in Jude about Michael contending with Lucifer over the body of Moses... You probably, you know, that's not one of the stories we read all the time. But Lucifer, who was an archangel, there's three archangels. Lucifer was an archangel in charge of worship. Michael, the archangel, in charge of the armies of God. And Gabriel, the archangel, in charge of the word of God. It says in Jude, when Michael and Lucifer were contending over the body of Moses, see, Lucifer would have loved to have gotten hold of the body of Moses and taken it back to the children of Israel because he knew exactly what would happen if he did. They would worship his body because they tended to idolatry. So Lucifer really wanted to get Moses' body and take it back to Israel. But it says when Michael, the archangel, was contending with Lucifer over the body of Moses, he did not lay against him any railing accusations. He did not stand up and play the tough guy. He said, the Lord rebuke you. So Michael, as powerful as any creation on this world, in in this earth, and on this earth, and in the universe, the archangel over the armies of God did not come head on with Lucifer, but just in a submitted, meek position said, the Lord rebuke you. And then Jesus was meek. So one of the first things he does is he walks into the temple and takes a a bunch of cords and makes a whip out of it, and he clears the temple, turns over their tables. That doesn't sound like a guy who's weak. Have you ever listened to some of his dialogues, things he says to the Pharisees? He says, you brood of vipers. You're like a man in in a tomb that has been washed over with white paint. But inside your heart is nothing but the bones of dead men. 
He was meek, but he was not weak. You know, when I first became a believer, I read the third chapter of Philippians, and it said Jesus, who was made of the image of God, thought equality with God, not something to be held on, but humbled himself and became flesh and took on the form of a man and then humbled himself to be obedient even to death, the death on a cross. I thought, wow, what condensation, what, what brokenness. But then I understood the humiliation, the dissension of Jesus was only positional, not experiential, because Jesus was never proud. He was always humble. He was always meek because he is meek. Jesus says, come and learn of me. I am meek and lowly of heart, and you will find rest unto your souls. And he concludes with, and the meek shall inherit the earth. Because it's in our meekness, it's in our humility that leads us to dependence. Because the opposite of meekness is what? Pride. And where does pride lead us? Well, pride preceded the fall of man, and it precedes our every fall. Pride turns the on switch off, turns the flesh on, and it's the beginning of our fall moment by moment. God humbles the proud, and he exalts the humble. He exalts the meek. So the inheriting, well, ultimately we're going to inherit the kingdom of heaven and in a new order on earth, also the meek, the sons of God, will also inherit that. So we have a great future. Blessed are those who know they need me. They should be filled with all that is good, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Blessed are all those who mourn their independence they shall be comforted by my Holy Spirit. Blessed are the meek. Those who know they need me every second of their life, they shall inherit the earth. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for your goodness. Um, We thank you that you're not weak. We thank you that you're strong. We thank you, uh, Holy Spirit, that you have been with us today in a very special way. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your precious words. We pray that you would give us the grace to come to you moment by moment, day by day, in meekness, in need, and receive from you your very life that you would flow through us upon all who are around us, that men may know that you have come and that you live amongst them today. And it's in your strong name we pray. Amen.